All right, it's the Keefe to the City Yankees podcast Thursday edition, and a lot has happened since Monday, uh, probably the busiest week of this offseason so far from a Yankees news perspective. Uh, the Yankees officially announced on Wednesday that DJ LeMay, who had signed his six-year $90 million deal with the team, they officially announced that Corey Kluber had signed his one-year deal with the team. So those two outstanding items are now taken care of, and the reason for the delay on both of those signings was the need for 40-man roster spots, which the Yankees opened up. They opened those up by trading Adam Adovino to the Red Sox in what was a straight salary dump. And I get that Adovino was inconsistent as a Yankee. I get that he fell out of Aaron Boone's circle of trust, though Aaron Boone's circle of trust isn't always the right players, the right pitchers. But he fell so far out, he was used in one of the seven postseason games this past season. He was terrible in the postseason the year before, though not all necessarily his fault as he pitched in five of the six games against the Astros. Uh, part of the clearly fatigued, clearly overused, overworked bullpen. Uh, but for a large part of his first season, 2019, with the Yankees, he was the best reliever on the team. And he's pretty good again this year. He just ran into that one horrible inning, which ruined his numbers for the season. Because the season's so short, he wasn't going to get the in the amount of games he was going to to get his numbers back to respectability. So he finished the season in poor standing because of one inning. Um, this move... I get what the Yankees were doing. I don't agree with it. They're trying to get under the $210 million luxury tax threshold. That's why they moved Adam out of Vino's salary. It's obvious that they tried every avenue before turning to the Red Sox. You don't want a right-handed, right-on-right specialist pitching against your right-handed heavy lineup. And when healthy, the Yankees' only left-handed bat against a right-handed starter would be Aaron Hicks. So you have eight right-handed hitters in your lineup, and you just gave arguably one of the best right-on-right relief pitchers in baseball to your hated rival, who they're not going to be any good, but the Yankees still play them 19 times in a 162-game season. So 12% of their season is against this one team, and now they have Adam Adovino who could come out of the bullpen and face any part of the Yankees order. Most likely, the Aaron Judge, Luke Voigt, Giancarlo Stan part of the order, but any part of the order is right-handed heavy. And slow and away sweeping sliders is Adovino's specialty, and low and away sweeping sliders is what the Yankees can't hit. When Adovino's right, most people can't hit him. He doesn't even have to be right to get this Yankees lineup out. So Hal Steinbrenner proved that he is more concerned with the luxury tax than his team potentially being at risk to lose games. He would rather pay Adam Adovino, which he is doing, $850,000, to go play, to go pitch for the Red Sox, pitch against his team, than he would rather pay the luxury tax on the team's payroll if it goes over $210 million. It was a straight salary dump. A straight salary dump by the New York Yankees, the team that makes more money than any other team in baseball. And whether you like Adovino as a pitcher, whether you think it was time to move on from him, is is not the point. The point is the Yankees are cutting payroll in a championship window. Right now, their payroll is around $50 million less than it was last season. In 2017, they came within one win of the World Series and followed that up by cutting the payroll by $50 million. So now two times in the last three years, three calendar years, they've cut payroll by $50 million in a championship window. You would think they'd be adding payroll. You'd think they'd be doing everything they can in this, in, in, with the state of baseball as it is, and so many good free agents you know, unsigned as of the last 10 days, they could have gone out and separated themselves from the rest of the American League made it so that they'd get to the World Series, made it so that they'd get there and say, okay, we'll take our chances in a seven-game series against the Dodgers or the Padres or the Braves. 
But there's no separation between the Yankees and the rest of the American League. They'll still be the favorite. They'll still be the favorite based on their name. Because the odds makers will always do their best to make the Yankees a favorite. Because they know the public will wager on the name. So they will be the favorite in the, in the American League. But are they the best? That's tough to say. The White Sox are certainly right there. The Astros will again be right there. The Rays, just because they traded Blake Snell, doesn't mean they won't be there. The Blue Jays are coming. They've added George Springer, Kirby Yates, Marcus Simeon. They traded for Steven Matz, who's, you know, he had a horrible year. He hasn't been good the last couple of years, but if he ever were to return to the form he, of he, what he used to be, they've got Robbie Ray looking to rebound. They've got Ryu, who's a couple of years removed from being the best pitcher in the National League for a season. The one thing separating the Yankees and the Blue Jays is the pitching. And if the Blue Jays were to ever somehow try and Trevor Bauer or add real quality starting pitching, trustworthy starting pitching, not just guys they're hoping to rebound, they would be a real threat. They're a real threat right now with just their lineup. So the Yankees are still going to be favored to win the American League. They're still going to be favored to win the American League. doesn't mean they're going to. A year ago right now, they were favored to do both. They didn't do either. I know it was a weird season, but they didn't. And Hal Steinbrenner likes to talk about how the goal every season is to win the World Series. And when the Yankees don't win the World Series, which they haven't done in going on 12 years, he puts out the type of apology his father used to put out. But that apology will be an empty gesture at the end of this season. If he says they did everything they could to put the best team on the field to give the fans a championship, they didn't. The trading players to the Red Sox and paying them to pitch against them. They're cutting payroll by $50 million. They cut 20% of their payroll off from last year. So it's hard to say that the Yankees are doing everything they can. And the economics of baseball is a much bigger conversation, certainly. And the fact that the Yankees' payroll has basically stayed it's the same for 20 years while their revenues of baseball... And the money lying in the pockets of the owners from the TV deals continues to rise. The Yankees' payroll has stayed the same for 20 years. Have the ticket prices stayed the same? Have the concessions stayed the same? They haven't. So the Yankees either have the top payroll in the sport or right near the top. But that doesn't give them an excuse for what they just did. And I get that Avino was inconsistent. He can't hold runners. He will sometimes walk the park. But there will come times this season when the Yankees need a big hit or a big inning against the Red Sox, and he'll come out of the bullpen and shove it right up their ass because that's what ex-Yankees do. And that ability against this lineup is is a perfect combination for Adovino to succeed. And come trade deadline when the Red Sox are buried in the standings, they'll just flip him for more prospects. So the Yankees, certainly the Red Sox helped the Yankees get under the luxury tax and help them do more things which we'll talk about. But at the same time, the Yankees just helped the Red Sox rebuild. They attached a prospect out of Eno, and now they'll most likely flip him at the end of July for even more prospects. And those prospects will probably haunt us, will probably haunt Yankees fans for the next decade. Now, the Yankees filled the gap of out of Eno by signing Darren O'Day, who's 38 years old now. Feels like he's even older than that. The sidewinding right-hander, who's... Very much like Adovino, just throwing from a different arm angle. And who gets ground balls and who doesn't walk as many people and can hold runners on. And he comes at a much cheaper 
salary, almost $7 million less than Adovino. But why not have both? They certainly need it. The Yankees' bullpen isn't good. After Aroldis Chapman, Zach Britton, and Chad Green, there's no one now. Dylan Batansis is gone. Tommy Canely's gone. Now Adovino's gone. You got you have Michael King. You have Nick Nelson. You have Jonathan Loizaga. Luis Sessa. Does anyone want to see those four guys coming out of the bullpen? If anything, keep Adovino and sign Darren O'Day to his around $2 million deal. Then you're talking. Then you have five options, the type of options you used to have. Two years ago, the Yankees went into the season thinking they had Chapman, Britton, Green, Canely, Adovino, Batances. It's fucking absurd. It didn't work out that way because Batances got hurt, and then Green was ineffective and had to get sent down at the beginning of the season before getting back to being the guy he had been the last two years. But they had six elite options. Now they have three elite options, or three trustworthy options, and I don't even trust Chapman at this point. I'm only naming him because of his salary and his career numbers. I don't trust him. How could anyone trust him? But the Yankees have a three-man bullpen. Now they have a four-man bullpen with O'Day. Could have had a five. Probably need the six. Because the starting pitching is still a huge question mark. And since the last podcast, the Yankees added Jamison Tyon from the Pirates in a trade of four prospects that weren't going to help the Yankees. And that's the type of deals they should make. Prospects who aren't going to help them in this window go get players who can. And Tyon won't have pitched in almost two years, just like Kluber, just like Severino. And then you got Montgomery, who's 48 innings removed from his own Tommy John surgery. So the Yankees need a good bullpen because they don't know what they're going to get from the starting pitching. On paper, when healthy, this rotation is great. But a year ago right now, on paper, when healthy, the Yankees had Garrett Cole, Luis Severino, James Paxton, Masahiro Tanaka, J-Hap, and then Jordan Montgomery as insurance. How did that work out? On paper, when healthy, shouldn't be used when planning out a starting rotation. It's not like these guys missed time with a freak injury. Kluber's coming back from a shoulder tear. Tyon had his second Tommy John surgery. Severino had a shoulder problem, a lap problem, then Tommy John surgery. These are major <laughs> surgeries, major issues. And the Yankees are banking on all of these guys to come back, all of them to pitch at their peak form, and all of that to happen this season. So it would help if the bullpen was deep and good. O'Day helps that. But keeping out of, you know, and adding O'Day would have helped it more. But the Steinbrenners are poor. Don't forget that they're poor. Or that's at least what they want you to think. That's why Hal Steinbrenner, 10 seconds after the Yankees lost the ALDS, was on ESPN Radio in New York talking about how the team didn't make as much money as they used to. He actually said they lost more money than any other team. But I'm going to phrase it as they didn't make as much money as they're used to. Because that's what really happened. He didn't cite all the seasons where there is 162 games and there's 81 home games and there's fans in the stands and how much money the Yankees make. He only wanted to talk about this past season where it was only 60 games, 30 home games, no fans in the stands. It's too bad that the Yankees have decided in two of their championship window years to cut payroll by $50 million, especially after 17 when they came within one win of the World Series and the fan base was excited about the future. Right now, I'm scared about the future because that window's closing. The Yankees are helping it close. What's left for the Yankees to do now? Bring back Brett Gardner. As soon as the LeMahieu business was taken care of, the Kluber, they got tie on, they sent away out of Vino. Then the rumbling started about Gardner being in contact with the Yankees. And they do have enough money under the threshold, the imaginary salary cap, the illusion of a salary cap. They do have enough money to bring him back, and I think they will. And lastly, Masahiro Tanaka, it was announced on Thursday morning that he re-signed in Japan with his old team, the Golden Eagles. And Tanaka, for seven years with the Yankees, was really, really good. His first year, 2014, it seemed like 
he was the best pitcher in baseball for part of that season before the elbow injury he suffered that that cut short his season he did come back at the end but wasn't very good and it's you go back and think about all the the journalist doctors who wanted him to get Tommy John surgery as if it's just like going to get a physical at the doctor's office. How wrong were they? All those idiots. Because he ended up pitching another six years. He fulfilled his seven-year deal. Seven years, $155 million, all with the Yankees. Was great in the postseason before this last postseason when he got sort of fucked up by the rain delay in Cleveland and then didn't pitch well against the Rays. But he was good in the wild card game in 2015. In 2017, he saved the season in Game 3 of the ALDS. Then he pitched very well, deserved to win both his starts against the Astros and the ALCS. It wasn't his fault. They didn't advance to the World Series. In 2018, the only game they won against the Red Sox in the ALDS was the one he started. In 2019, he dominated the Twins in the ALDS, pitched well against the Astros in the ALCS. And then this past postseason was the worst of them all. And it's unfortunate that his last game as a Yankee and probably in the major leagues will be that Game three start against the Rays when he should have pitched game two rather than the fucking trickery from Aaron Boone in game two with Jay Happ. But Tanaka will be remembered as a great Yankee. It wasn't his fault the team didn't win a championship those seven years. It wasn't his fault they came short by one game in 2017. It wasn't his fault they didn't get past the Red Sox in 2018. It wasn't his fault no one could fucking hit against the Astros in 2019. And it was, I guess, kind of his fault in 2020. Not necessarily just his fault, but... He was part of the problem and not part of the solution against the Rays. But Tanaka will be missed. And I don't know if it was that he asked for too much money and the Yankees wanted to move on. If he was like, hey, I'm going to ask for this, and if I don't get it, I'll just go home. That seems like it was more like that. And who can fault him? Maybe he wants to live where he's from. Maybe he wants to raise his family where he grew up. Completely acceptable. It's too bad because this rotation could use a guy who knows New York like he does, who knows the AL East and the American League like he does, who's as durable and consistent as he is, the Yankees could use that guy. But the illusion of the salary cap prevented that from happening. So Tanaka will be missed. The Yankees roster is just about complete. I know I've been saying that for some time. They had a few moves up their sleeve. That's about it. Just Gardner. And then the roster's complete. So that'll do it for today. Thanks for listening. I'll be back on Monday.